The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Perez, Santana, Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the sixth consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress through the 2016 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the final edition for 2016's Major League Baseball season of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I had hoped to change that opening to a World Series championship for the Cleveland Indians. Unfortunately, my hopes were squandered away in Game 6 and Game 7, and it's time to bring forward our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue, for the final time this year to help me squash my mourning over the last five days of the Indians losing that memorable Game 7 on Wednesday night by the final score of 8-7. to Mark, any words of wisdom for me to get over my morning? Well, I can only relate what my grandmother used to tell me when she says, Mark, it's okay, it'll be better tomorrow. Whatever the malady was, whatever the problem was, that was her philosophy. And so I share that with you for what it's worth uh, that it, it will be better tomorrow. But <clears throat> rather than dwell on the last three games, which will certainly hang with Cleveland fans for a long time, I, I think you have to first look at what the Indians accomplished this year. I mean, they, uh, that is a very good baseball team. And they took what is recognized as the best team uh, to seven games, extra innings, and ended up losing the game. But uh, if there are moral victories, which I guess there are in baseball, uh, this was certainly an outstanding year. And there's only one team out of 30 that wins the last game of the year. <laughs> and uh, you guys gave it a hell of a run. And uh, I hope Indian fans look back at that season for what it was, which was a rousing success and notwithstanding the last three games. But, you know, that that seventh game, that was as an exciting World Series that I have ever seen, including the games in which the Reds were involved in playoffs. So uh, that's that's the upside. And I, and I think there's a lot of upside to be taken from this 2016 season if you're an Indians fan. The only Game 7 that I can remember that was as dramatic as this year's Game 7 was in 1991, the Jack Morris one to nothing Twins win over uh, the Atlanta Braves in that series. Ten-inning win. Yeah, that, that, that was an exciting game. And, of course, the 1975 World Series where the, the Reds were down 3 to nothing after that devastating loss in Game 6 on the Bernie Carbo home run that tied the series and then the, the Carlton Fisk home run that won the game uh, you know many people look at that 1975 uh, World Series and think Boston won 
because of the Carlton Fisk home run. But of course, the Reds won that game. Uh, yeah, there there have been some exciting World Series, and uh, this one, I think, for the current generation, has to go down for a while as the best World Series, uh, certainly that I have seen. But I, you know, I think every generation will look back, and you know, you know, people in their twenties, thirties, and forties, even they don't remember 1975, and some of them, the young kids, don't even remember 1991. So, um, yeah, I, I think this will go down in the, for the ages. And on a more, I guess, not sobering note, but realistic note, I'm curious, what impact do you think this loss will have on the Indians organization in total? I I think as far as the organization is concerned, I don't think it will have much impact at all. There are some decisions that the Indians have to make going forward with this team. For example, they've already picked up the options on Carlos Santana. He had a $12 million club option for next year. They've already picked that up, so he'll be back with the team. Terry Francona's already had two years picked up on his contract for 2019-2020, so he'll be back through then. The, the entire starting pitching staff is already signed for next year. Most of their relievers are signed for next year, including Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. They'll they'll all be back. Basically, the decisions that have to be made, Mark, are Rajay Davis and Mike Napoli. And I've got to ask you, the home run that Rajay Davis hit off of Araldis Chapman to tie this thing up in the eighth inning, first of all, I'm surprised my neighbors didn't call the cops on me with trying to figure out what was going on in my townhouse. Secondly... Have you ever seen a more dramatic home run by someone not expected to hit a home run other than, like you said earlier, the Carbo home run from 1975? Yeah, for a World Series game, I can't remember one. There, there may be, but that certainly had – Kirby Puckett, I guess, in, in – was it 91, hit the, hit the big home run? Uh, that, that yeah, but that puck. was a home run that you, you know, Kirby Puckett oh, was yeah, capable sure. of getting right. one out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, for for an unknown player, or not an unknown player, but a player not known for his power. What do you have? Twelve home runs during the regular year, I think. Right. Uh, you know, he he, but you know, he, he swung at the only pitch that he could hit a home run on, and and <laughs> Chapman threw it low and in to a guy that was choking up four inches on the bat. And the guy clubbed it. I mean, it was a rocket out of there. And when he swung, I knew it was gone. I mean, this is the way, you know, he got the fat part of the bat on that ball. And it was a very exciting game and, again, a horrible letdown for Indian fans. You know, had it been a series that had gone back and forth where it was 3-3 three to three going into the final game, um, you know, three games each had won, uh, I think it would have been less disappointing for the Indians. But to have that 3-1 to one lead, uh, going home, uh, you know, you, you just, you can taste it. It's it's so close, you can taste it. And uh, then when they tied it, the, the euphoria Indian fans must have felt uh, on that Davis home run, you're 6-6, six to six. Oh. you're, you're going to get last at bats. And uh, But I, I tell you, the, the guttiest pitching performance I've seen in a long time in that series was in the ninth inning when Araldus Chapman went out there without his best stuff, tired, overworked, misused, and he went out there and got the Indians out in the ninth inning. That was a huge, just a huge inning. And uh, Indian fans will never, or Cleveland fans, 
I'm sorry, Cub fans will never forget what he did because, as you and I have talked since the series was over, Madden is a great manager, but he completely misused Chapman in that series. He really did. And it almost cost him the world championship because Chapman, yeah, I'd seen Chapman pitch for six years. He he does because every pitch is just ultimate effort on him. And you can't have a guy come in, throw that many innings, throw that many pitches in, in what, five days, and or in less than that, three or four days, and expect him to be sharp. And, and he didn't need to use him in game six. That's what I couldn't understand. Yeah, I, I thought... I thought Joe Madden, Mark, if had the Cubs lost that series, it would have really damaged his reputation as one of the best managers in baseball. Because, like you said, not only did he misuse Araldus Chapman in Game Six, and I thought Game Seven, but why he ever took Kyle Hendricks out of the ball game in the in the fourth inning or the fifth inning anyway? I mean, he literally. I, I told you this the day after you you totally disagreed with me, but I still believe this to this day. John Lester told John, Joe Madden, I'm pitching in this game no matter what. Yeah, I continue to disagree with you on that. He may have said, I'm ready to pitch. I can pitch. You don't go into a manager and say, I'm going to pitch. But you're right. Why do you take Hendricks out, number one? <clears throat> and then why did he take out the left-hander, you know, uh he was pitching. If you're going to put him in, let him finish the game, or at least get it to the ninth inning. Uh, it, it's just, it made no sense. Uh, Lester was throwing great. Hendricks was throwing great. Uh, why not leave him in there? I, I don't get it. And on I, the on the other hand, Mark, I thought Terry Francona really may have hindered his Hall of Fame status with the way that he managed this Game Seven. I thought both managers in Game Seven, especially. Uh, tried to outmanage the other and ended up managing themselves into corners. Well, they, in my opinion, they overmanaged. Yes. And, it, you know, you don't need to make moves just to make a move. And I think every – I tell you what that does uh, to the roster, the, the players on the roster. Those players know that Madden made a mistake. They do know it. I mean, everybody knows it. And the same with the Indians. They know Francona made some blunders. And what it does, it, it, it begins to erode your confidence in your your manager, that they're going to make sound decisions under pressure. And I think both managers fell short of that in the ninth inning. Madden came out, or in the, se- in the seventh game, Madden came out on top. That doesn't negate that everybody knows that he made some stupid mistakes in, in that with Hendricks particularly, but even with Lester. They, Lester didn't give up a base runner, did he? I, I don't think he gave up anything while he was in there. Almost no, he, gave, he gave up. He, he was in trouble when they took him out. He, he was definitely in trouble. I mean, he's the one that caused the problems that, that led to, to Chapman coming in. But, I, you know, I thought, Mark, he went to Chapman too, too soon. And, yeah. and same yeah. thing I thought with Francona. He went with Miller too soon. Yeah, I agree with you. I do, and uh, you know the bullpens played a huge part in, in for both teams, both positively and negatively. Uh, the the Indians, I think, have to be given a lot of credit for what they did without their number two and arguably number three starter 
in, in that rotation. I mean, you take you take the number two and three starter out of the Cubs rotation, and they would have been swept. So, it, right. you know, it's just a matter of unfortunate circumstances befell the Cubs, in, you know, right before the World Series and the playoffs, for that matter. But, you know, what they did with basically, you know, a two-man pitching staff was remarkable. And, and it, they just ran out of time, you know, with losing those last three games. Well, you can only go with six pitchers for so long, and that's what happened to the Indians. You can only go with basically one guy out of your bullpen for so long, and that's what happened to the Cubs. Mark, we're going to get into more of the Cubs and the Indians here in a little bit, but we've kind of neglected the Reds over the last couple of weeks just simply because what the Indians have done. But yesterday Dick Williams took complete control of the Cincinnati Reds organization away from Walt Jockety. You said you know, that he's already put his stamp on the organization with some of the things that he's done. So what has Dick Williams done to do that, to put his stamp on the Reds organization? So well, far? he's certainly addressing the the, the, the the roster issue and the fact that the Reds had a lot of players that just were horrific pickups uh, last year. And, uh, you know, the, what they've done is, is trim the roster down to 33 out of 40, 40-man roster. And that's that's a lot of openings in your 40-man roster. That is. And they traded uh, John Lamb, who came over from Kansas City uh, two years ago now. Uh, they outrighted Yvonne DeJesus to, to Louisville. They waived Josh Smith. He was picked up by Oakland. They got now, where, did they, where did they trade John Lamb to? Uh, the, um, let me see. You asked me too quick. They got cash. Uh, okay. Let me see here. Oh, to the Angels. To the Angels. Oh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay. It was Tampa Bay, <clears throat> and they they got cash. And, and you know that guy was penciled in as a starter for this year, and just had such uh, horrific injuries. He's two back surgeries and Tommy John surgery, and he's a, he's a little guy. I mean, he's very skinny. He looks weak. And I think the, the other reason they traded him, he had a really bad beard and bad hair, and I think that was reason enough to trade him. But they also got rid of Alfredo Simon, J.J. Hoover, Ross Ollendorf. These guys were absolutely uh, gasoline throwers in the bullpen. Uh, every time they came in, they got lit up. And the Reds, the, the Reds' bullpen was so bad, they gave up 33 home runs to the first batter they faced out of the bullpen. That That is almost impossible to do, and they did it. And they had the the worst ERA in baseball. Not only that, the worst ERA out of the bullpen in Reds history. And I think I read near the end of the season, the second worst ERA for a bullpen in baseball history. Now, I don't know where they finished up. I think it was between, like, the last two weeks of the season. But that, that shows you what this team has to fix. And I, I think they have a chance to fix it. But... Clearly, uh, Walt Jockety had made some moves that uh, just were such head-scratchers over the last three or four years. But the reason I ask you about the, Im- I guess the impact of this loss on the organization is because there was one loss the Reds had in 2012 that has haunted that organization since then. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, the, the fifth game after they had a two-game lead in the playoffs in 2012 against the Giants, 
they came home and they lost three straight games and and that is that that has really been the the event that has impacted this organization since then they 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 got back to the playoffs in 2013 but they got beat in a one game playoff against the pirates but they weren't really the same team after that that what happened in 2012 Matt Latos I mean you, you ask but you know did one thing happen well one pitch he threw uh, and it gave up a grand slam home run in that in that third game, I think. No, the the, the fifth game. Uh, that that did it, and uh, the, the Reds have never recovered from that one pitch. So it, it has gone into a rebuilding mode. I, I, I think they, they have a chance to be competitive next year. I really do. I think they have enough stuff on the roster if they can pick up a, a couple. You know. I think they need one more inning eater pitcher, and they need maybe one more bat, and to enhance the bench a bit. And 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 but the big thing is the bullpen, and that's where I think uh, they're, they're going to direct most of their efforts. And I think you can improve your bullpen. I mean, you, you don't have to improve it much to pick up, you know, a number of wins that the Reds just threw out the window this year. Well, clearly it proves that I was correct about one thing, and that is the J.J. Hoover release proves that he did have pictures of Walt Jockety doing something, because the minute Jockety is out of the organization, Dick Williams comes in and just gets rid of him. Yeah, and I have never seen a guy, he was the worst, I go back a long way with the Reds, and there may be somebody I'm overlooking. Aside from 2000, I guess, uh, 15, where he had a good year, he was the worst pitcher I can remember coming in from the bullpen. I can't remember one worse. And to go out there and pitch the way he did, it was every – Dave, I'm telling you, his numbers were horrible. They could have been worse because I, I remember thinking he came in there four or five games in a row. Everything he threw was hammered. And sometimes they were caught. Or Billy uh, Hamilton would make a great play in center field. But this guy was rocketed. And I've never seen anything like it. it, it it's like they knew what was coming. Or he was saying, okay, I'm going to throw you a fastball letter high. How's that look? And Because he, just, he got pounded. So it's not hard to improve on this bullpen. And actually the Reds, just by getting some people healthy like Homer Bailey, uh, who could pitch 200 innings this year? That is going to help an immense, uh, immensely in, in stabilizing their rotation. Uh, Tony Discafani, uh, I think, had a, a good comeback year after an injury. Uh, pitched well in, in certain games, especially in the second half. Uh, Rasiel Iglesias, I think, is going to help stabilize that bullpen along with Lorenzen. So, you've got a lot more uh, hope going into the season, assuming that there's not going to be the, the flurry of injuries that befell the organization this year. Well, you ask about the Indians, and I, I'm going to say something right here. I don't think you would ever see two teams like the Cubs and the Indians that everybody projects great things for. But I think you're going to see wholesale changes for both ball clubs as far as the outfield is concerned. You know, the Indians have a lot of toss-ups there in their outfield, but, Mark, when you look at the outfield for the Cubs, it is not exactly a, a a staunch defense of 
everybody coming back. First of all, for the Cubs, you've got Dexter Fowler, who's a free agent. He's probably gone. He came to the Cubs to win a World Series. He's done it. Now he's going to look for the money. Jason Hayward, they've got locked up for another seven years on a big contract, and he has been a bust so far. I'm not quite sure he's ever gotten over being hit in the face by that pitch because he just appears to be pulling off everything at the plate. And left field, what are they going to do with Schwarber? You've got Ben Zobrist, who's out in left field now. Schwarber has got to play someplace. He's not going to play at first base. They've got Anthony Rizzo there. He's got to play in left field. So that means Zobrist is going to have to go someplace. He's not the greatest outfielder in the first place, so you can't put him in center. You may put him in right. You may put Hayward in center. But again, here you go. You've got the entire outfield for the Cubs jumbled up. As far as the Indians is concerned, they've got Michael Brantley coming back. Now, supposedly, he is going to be back and ready to play left field next year. That is a solidifying point for the Indians. Center field, I want to talk about this trade that you and I discussed earlier in the week between the Reds and the Indians that could help both ball clubs. Right field, who knows if it's going to be Lonnie Chisenhall, Bradley Zimmer, or somebody else that they bring in. The Indians have to decide what they're going to do with Rajay Davis. Are they going to bring him back? They have to decide what they're going to do with Mike Napoli. I'm all in favor of bringing Napoli back as long as it's not a long-term deal. I think a tour two-year deal for Mike Napoli with maybe a club option for a third. He's a 35-year-old journeyman player, basically, Mark. He had his best year with Cleveland a year ago, 34 home runs, 101 RBIs, best year ever. Can he do that again? Good question. He'll be 36 next year. I doubt it. All right, so you've got to be concerned about that. Now, the pitching staff for both ball clubs. You know, Mark, i got to tell you, I think the pitching staff for the Cubs – is more iffy than the pitching staff for the Indians. Just simply because Jake Arrieta is on the downside of his career. He did not pitch as well this year as he did a year ago when he won the Cy Young. Kyle Hendricks, this is his third team. Now everybody says, yeah, but he won the ERA title in the National League. I get that. But two other teams passed him up, and the Cubs brought him in. This was his career year. John Lackey, I know you you are not sold on. I'm not either. You know, they've got a guy that wasn't on their playoff roster in Jason Hamill, who won 15 games. He may end up being their number two starter next year, Mark, behind John Lester. And I'm not completely sold that John Lester is the answer as their ace. In other words, they they all had career years on the mound. Their bullpen, completely suspect. And what they do with Araldis Chapman is another question. That is their key free agent. I know they've got a ton of money to spend, but Theo Epstein has never been a guy that has just thrown money around. Well, first of all, the, the Cubs have decided not to offer Hamels a contract. Uh, they've already made the decision. It was announced yesterday or, or Saturday. So, well, that's nuts. So you're right. That, you know, there is some big questions uh, you know, with regard to what what the Cubs are going to do, but backing up a bit, you know, I think Schwarber, uh, you know, he's what they said uh, that the Cubs are going to try and do in the off season is get him uh, so he can catch uh, at least some of the games. Uh, they're going to have to find another catcher. Uh, you know, he came up as a catcher, right? And uh, so if, if his body will allow him to catch, I mean, he'd be 
he'd be perfect back there because uh, you can put him into a spot that I, I don't know how good he is defensively. I just don't know. But he came up as a catcher. And if his body allows him, that, that answers a lot of the issues you've just raised. So, uh, you know, the Cubs are so deep that they've got a great uh, minor league organization. And the biggest thing is they got money. And whatever they need, they can go get. So it'll, it'll be, I think, a reloading uh, opportunity for the Cubs, but I, I, I have no, no doubt at all they're going to be the team to beat in Major League Baseball next year. And, and with any kind of luck, and it, it does take luck, it does take luck, uh, you know, this Cubs team could win three or four championships in the next four or five years. And See, I, I don't think so. I, I I agree with you. It's going to take luck. Um, I I think this team has got this team reminds me so much, Mark, of the '95 Indians. It's insane. The only difference between the two is that the Cubs, and this may sound diametrically opposed to what I just said, have a better pitching staff, starting staff than that 95 Indians team did. I would have taken this year's Cubs starting staff, not the bullpen, including Araldis Chapman, I would have taken the Cubs starting staff over the Indians starting staff from that 95 team. But boy, Mark, I'll tell you what, when you look at that team, it, it could completely crumble in the drop of a hat just by an injury here or there or a starting pitcher going out here or there. Yeah, they've got the money to go out and get one, but back in 95 through 2000, Mark, so did the Indians. Well, don't the Cubs, I looked at the free agent market the other day. What do you think the Cubs need most, what did you say? Oh, I think they need they definitely need an outfielder okay. or a stud pitcher. How about Jose Bautista in Wrigley? No, no. Why not? No, because I'll tell you why not. Because Jose Bautista gets injured too often. That's the first thing. Second thing, he's on the downside of his career again. He's going to want a five-year deal. The Cubs are not going to give him a five-year deal. Theo Epstein's not going to give him a five-year deal. He's 36 years old, almost 37. That's the problem that he's got in Toronto, which, you know, we're going to go to Toronto here in a little bit when we get back to the Reds. No, the guy that I see fitting in with the Cubs better than anybody on the free agent market is Cespedes. No, I, I disagree. I, I, I tell you, the guy who's a dark horse that, that I would sign is Michael Saunders at, at the Blue Jays. He had 32 home runs. He's, he's young. He's only 30 years old. Uh, you know, This you know, was the best year he's ever had. Yeah, you're right. But you can get him relatively cheap, and his production, I and mean, the other guy that you, you could look at is Mark Trumbo. I just don't think he's a defensive guy you want out there, but no. uh, you know he, he's there. There is some power available out there, and whether it's going to be Batista, who I think would be a, a great addition uh, to that lineup. Can you imagine Batista in that lineup? I mean, my God, it would be a well, devastating lineup, and it, it, it makes all those other guys that much better. And you said they need an outfielder. There's only three or four outfielders that can, can you know, Ian Desmond. I mean, he, he's a good. Desmond is the guy that I think would be the perfect fit for the Cubs if they're going to overpass. Why do you think Cespedes is not the guy for them? I think he, I think he strikes out too much, and I, I, I think he, he's, he's a swing and miss guy. And uh, their entire lineup is that. Well, I know, but I but why would you want to add that to it if, if you've already got that in your lineup? 
because he fits perfectly into what everybody else does. Well, but you're talking you're talking a major amount of money. He's probably the first or second free agent out there, right. and he's 31 years old. If 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 Bautista is going to demand a five year contract, Cespedes is going to want at least that. Except so, that Cespedes is five years younger. I know, but I don't think Cespedes. If you look back at his numbers, he, he's a swing and miss guy. He reminds me a lot of Jay Bruce from the right side. You know, he he, he has big games. He's capable of a lot, uh, but I, I think there are better choices for the Cubs than Cespedes for less money. And they've got a set lineup in that in that organization with the Cubs. And what I think they're going to opt for is somebody who can who can stabilize the lineup in the middle of it that makes everybody else better. And I, I, if, I, if I had unlimited money, I'd look at Batista. Batista will hit 50 home runs or 40 home runs for sure at Wrigley Field. No question about it. You add 40 home runs to that lineup, again, that team can win for the next three or four years. So the Cubs have the momentum. The, uh, money is not an issue. They can sign whoever they want. And I, I look for them to go out and get one more pitcher to repa- replace Hamill. And there's a whole list of guys they can pick up. And you're going to get guys who are going to take sweetheart deals to be with the Cubs because they see the same thing I do, that you can win a bunch of rings with that team. And at some point, whether you make $20 million a year or $18 million a year, doesn't doesn't matter. So look look for the Cubs to go out there and get an outfielder, I agree with you on that, and to pick up a stud a starting pitcher somewhere, uh, and and they can trade too. They don't have to sign free agents. They can trade, and I I I doubt that they're going to keep Chapman, but they might, and because I think he he really won over a lot of Cub fans with what he did in in the playoffs, and uh, he, you know he's that lockdown guy. Uh, I just don't think they used him right, but uh, I mean I can see him ending about ending up back in New York with the Yankees. Yeah, I do too. But, you know, Kenley Jansen's out there too. And, and there are people who say that he's a better reliever than Chapman. He's a better pitcher than Chapman. Doesn't throw quite as hard. But, uh, that guy, you know, he's, he's a great reliever. And everybody we're talking about here, uh, he, he can, they can add to the, to, to the Cubs that are already a great team. Jeremy, Jeremy Hillickson, uh, he's a free agent. He would fit well in with the Cubs. He, he's, he's a good addition. So, and the only other thing they might do is go out and get a catcher. Uh, you know, who knows what is going to happen with uh, Schwarber behind the plate. But, you know, Mark Wieters is available from the Orioles. He, he's, a, uh, he's a free agent this year. Switch hitter. <coughs> you know, shoulder problems. Yep, shoulder problem. You know, you have to have backups with him. Uh, but, again, the Cubs can afford to go out there and, and, and make – these kinds of deals that fit into their overall lineup. And that's what makes them so scary. They've got talent in the minors, they've got money, and now they've got success. Well, and see, I, as far as the money is concerned, they're going to start having to pony up money here in, in a while when they've got Javi Baez, Addison Russell, Chris Bryant, Mark Schwarber. They're going to have to start ponying up money in about two or three years, so they've got to be careful as to what it is, and that was the problem that came with the Indians. They had to pick and choose who they were going to give their money to, and, you know, it caused them to basically lose everybody. But the Cubs don't. They don't have to pick and choose. 
They don't. They're not going to be able to give a $25 million contract, Mark, to Russell, Baez, Schwarber, and Bryant all at one time. Yes, yes they can. They, they can afford it. And they can restructure those contracts. They can build them out over long periods of time. They have momentum, and they've got money now. And they're, they're going to make a fortune off this World Series ring, or win ring, too. And they are poised to, to move forward in the next four or five years. Money will not be an issue. And the things you're talking about in the contracts with their existing players, they don't really come up for the next, in, in, what, at least two or three years away. Two or three years, right. Yeah, so in the next two or three years, they can load up. I mean, they can really load up. And at the same time, if they wanted to, they can they can trade off redundancy in that lineup to other teams to you know restock their their, their minor leagues. So they are in a terrific position. They got a creative general manager. They got tons of money, a big media outlet uh, paying them huge TV dollars. So they are they are poised to go out there and dominate baseball for the next four or five years, and money will not be an issue to them. Mark, as far as the Indians are concerned, I think what has happened in this postseason, it has shown that the Indians will be trading Trevor Bauer during the offseason. Everybody is going to deny that, but I think Trevor Bauer is the man on the, the totem pole to be traded because this entire rotation went the entire season, Mark, up until the very last game of the year. They went 161 games without starting a left-handed pitcher. That's almost unheard of in Major League Baseball today. And they won the division doing it. Ryan Merritt in his two starts was outstanding. I think Ryan Merritt is a guy that they're going to have to put in the rotation next year. I think Mike Clevenger is a guy they're going to have to put in the rotation next year. Which means they're going to have to move one of the guys in the rotation. The most, the man that I think is the odd man out is Trevor Bauer. Now, you want an, e- an innings eating machine? Right there you've got Trevor Bauer. I would be willing, I, I think with this team, Mark, what they need is an outfielder that can go get the ball. I don't care what he gets. I, I know where you're going with this. I know. I think you and I have already discussed it. I would be willing to trade the Reds, Trevor Bauer, and Tyler Naquin. For Billy Hamilton. Yeah, that, that's going to be my, my knee-jerk reaction is no. I, I, I don't want to do that deal. Last week you said yes. No, no, let me finish. But <laughs> the reason I may now say yes upon reflection is the Reds have to do something with Jesse Winker this year. The guy hit 303 in AAA. He's 22 years old. He's got all the tools. He would be, I think, a, a good left fielder. You can you can put um, uh, Adam. Um, his name is blowing by my brain. Our left fielder uh, into right field, and and then you have the makings of a powerful outfield that uh, doesn't require Billy Hamilton. Uh, at the same time, Billy Hamilton um, is a guy who is coming into his own. And if you did trade for him, you'd be getting him on the upside offensively. But even if he hits 220 or 230, in your lineup, uh, you know, he would make a big difference in center field. He'll steal you 75 bases. And in essence, what he does then is hit 75 doubles. Because, right. uh, he's just, he, 
he can't be thrown out. He's just unbelievably successful on the bases. And, uh, yeah, it's a trade I think would help both teams. That would be a, that would be a, a shocker. But I think it would help both teams. I really do. Well, I'm a, I'm the type of guy that I would put Billy Hamilton at number nine in the order and just forget it. Have him play center field every day. And, and the thing about it is, Mark, the decision that the Indians are going to have to make in right field between Chisholm Hall and Bradley Zimmer. Is Bradley Zimmer ready to play Major League Baseball? They've got to, pardon the pun, crap or get off the pot with Bradley Zimmer. He's the guy that they wanted to keep last year. And here's another decision, Mark. This is one that's been been bandied around the idiots up in Cleveland on, on talk show radio. Do you keep Andrew Miller? You've got him under contract now for the next two years. Do you keep him or do you maximize what you can do now with him because of the postseason that he's had and trade him away to somebody and oh, get back as much as you can? I would, I would keep him definitely. Uh, I agree. He stabilizes your team in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, back to the Reds for a second. Uh, Adam Duvall could be, could be, you, you have Adam Duvall, Scott Shebler, and Jesse Winker as your outfield, which is a pretty good outfield, certainly offensively. Yes. And then you have Steve Selsky, who you know, actually hit about 285 last year for the Reds. Uh, but, um, you know, adding uh, Naquin to that outfield mix, uh, although, God, he looks so bad. In, is he? How is he defensively? Because he looked terrible in the playoffs. No, he, he's pretty good defensively. I don't know what the heck happened. In Game Six, I was completely shocked. He's got a decent arm. He's he doesn't have the arm of Billy Hamilton. Does not have the arm of. And to be honest with you, Mark, it, it's a step below Billy Hamilton is what you're getting from Tyler Naquin. But what you're literally trading for is a 26 year old starting pitcher in Trevor Bauer. That once you guys get good, is going to keep you in ball games. He's going to pitch into the seventh and eighth inning of every game if you want at least the sixth. And he's going to win you 15 to 17 games a year. Well, those are the kinds of deals that will define a general manager. And it'll define him in a good way or define him in a bad way. Because Billy Hamilton, his stock is rising. And he, he hit well last year. He close to 260. His on-base percentage went up by almost 30 points. Uh, again, he would have won easily the, the stolen base crown if he didn't get hurt in, in September. Uh, so he, he's, he's certainly a guy who would make your team better. Now, whether Bauer makes the Reds pitching staff better, I don't know. They, they have really four spots, uh, sewed up. Uh, the question is, is Amir Garrett, who, who pitched, he had, he had a great year last year in double A and triple A. He dominated double A and, and had, had good, had re, good results at triple A. He's 6'5", 225, left-hander. He can throw 98. Uh, th- this guy is going to be good. Now, is he going to be good next year? I don't know. But this is a, a situation you and I have talked about before. He's 24 years old. And, you know, when when do you start the clock? I mean, you're going to wait till he's 30 to bring him up? He's ready to let, let, let him go out. They, they bring up Cody Reed, who goes, oh, what, 0 and 8 last year? Why not bring up Amir Garrett? I, I don't understand why they are so hesitant to give these guys a shot. Go back. Ten years. Okay? Walt Jockety's running the St. Louis Cardinals. What was the biggest complaint about Walt Jockety when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals? That he didn't trust his own minor league system. 
Yep. Yep. And that's the same complaint that they have had in Cincinnati for the last three or four years. He doesn't trust his minor league system. Well, in some cases, I don't either. I mean, I look at Robert Stevenson, and you and I have been talking about Robert Stevenson for years. I mean years for this guy, five years. He's he's the next great right-hander for the Reds. Well, he's not. And he is still rated, I think, number three. Yeah, he's number three on their top prospects. And that scares me. I can see where Nick Senzel, who's going to be a great hitter, by the way, coming up, he hit 329 last year. And uh, he's going to get stronger, hit with power. Jesse Winker. And then Stevenson is rated third above Amir Garrett. And then Sal Romano is, is, a, is a right-handed pitcher. He's rated fifth. So if, if Stevenson is indicative of the actual talent you're going to get on this roster after all the publicity and all the glowing reports. This guy is the greatest thing. Well, he's not. He, he doesn't throw that hard. He doesn't have a good breaking ball. And he seems like kind of a head case. So I, I don't know how much you can rely on the Reds organization to draft who they have drafted over the last five or six or ten years, for that matter, because their strategy is completely different than the Cubs strategy. The Cubs strategy was we are not going to go out and use our draft picks for pitchers. We're going to pick up pitchers in the free agent market, we'll trade for them, but we're going to we're going to go out and draft position players who we can count on to be there for the next 10 years and not have arm surgeries and be out for for years at a time. And I think that's a trend that that Teams have looked at pitchers as their saviors via the draft, and it, they just don't work out. On a percentage basis, starting pitchers are the hardest thing to find. And you look back at the drafts of the pitchers who have been drafted number one by teams and how many are not on major league rosters today. How many? Well, I don't know the percentage, but go back and look. Look, I, I did this about... I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And I went back and looked at the number one draft picks and how many of them are either still in the minors after five years or I, I never heard of them. You've never heard of them on a roster. And the point the Cubs were making, they invest, these teams collectively invest hundreds of millions of dollars in these young arms. And they're, they're most prone to injury. And you can get them already proven put less money in for a free agent or a trade. Uh, I mean, some of these pitchers, are, they're signing for seven, eight, nine million dollars. <laughs> you know, 18, 20, 22-year-old kids. The most famous number one pick for a pitcher, and I know you'll remember this name, never panned out with anybody. His name was David Clyde. Oh, sure, with the Texas Rangers. Well, he you know, yes. came up and, and pitched in, in well, his first game, he struck out 12 or something like that, and and never never did it again. I mean, and he, he never had an arm problem. No, he just wasn't very good. Right. I saw him pitch, as a matter of fact. Um, but uh, if you go back and look at the number one draft picks for all the teams, and, and the Cubs studiously did something different. They went out and drafted guys, and they got like Rizzo in a trade. They they they, they were smart in picking up position players. They can put at these positions and know they're going to be there for the next five or ten years. 
and that's smart because the, those guys will play 150 games a year. But you put all that money into your, your starting pitchers and they're 18 years old out of high school, and the, the failure rate is remarkable. It's, it's remarkably high. You know, Chris Bryant reminds me of a young Mike Schmidt. Yeah, I mean, Chris Bryant. Uh, is a stud. He is a stud. And he's going to get studlier as he goes yeah. on because he has a lot of weaknesses at the plate. He really does. He's got a lot of holes in his swing. But he'll fix that. Uh, he, he, you cannot throw a ball over the plate that he can't reach. He's what, 6'5", and he's got long arms, and he's got a, he's got that power stance where he crouches a lot, which keep, keeps him level low with the ball. He's, he doesn't have that loopy swing like a Dave Kingman had. He's got a short to the ball. He's got long arms, but he's still quick to the ball. But the guy he, I'm not sold on for the Cubs? Baez. I'm not sold on Javi Baez. Well, I'm not sold on him uh, offensively, but, I mean, defensively he's pretty strong. And that that whole you know that whole team is so deep uh, that that's why I keep saying that they're going to be around for a long time. But again, don't forget how young these guys are. They just won a World Series with a very very young roster, and if if, if the, they continue to develop as players, uh, you know they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be contenders, Dave. You know for a Aren't long they time. They won a World Series. With a very young infield, that's what they won it with. Yeah, they did not win it with a young team. They won it with a very young infield, primarily three players: Russell, Bryant, Baez. If you look at the rest of them, Rizzo's 30 years old, Hayward, 28 years old, Fowler, 31 years old, Zobrist, 34 years old. They're and their pitching staff. An old pitching staff, with the exception of one, Hendricks. And that's it. Okay, but what's your point? They are not a young team. The, the, the core they are of an their, elderly team. The core of their team is young. The, the guys that, that are going to be around for five years, and that's that's the horizon I'm looking at. Over the next five years, those players you just mentioned are all going to be in their primes. Fowler's not going to be there. He's going to be a free agent anyway. They're going to I, right. agree. No, that's what I'm saying. But they can that's, replace they've him. They've got with three guys, Mark, that are the core of that team that are young. Yes, but and they, if you no, want to no, add Rizzo, okay, old. he's 31. You're, you're, you're saying that Zobrist is old, you know, com- yes. comparatively. But they can, yes. my point is they can replace these kinds of players. And, you know, when Zobrist won, won the MVP of the World Series, be, who, who would expect that? But you need those kinds of guys on the team to bring in the young players, and, and Schwarber, how old is he? 24? Uh, I think, what was he, 24? Yeah, I think yeah, he's 24. He's 24. I mean, this is, this is a guy who could be a three, he, this guy could win a batting championship. He's that good. You add him. Can to, he, can he, here's the question mark, can he win it in Chicago? Why, why can't he? Because he's got to play defense. I know, but Dave, he can play they they say he can catch. He's ready to catch. He wants to catch. They're working on it. When was the last time, Mark, you saw somebody win a batting title that was a catcher? Well, that, that's that's a good point. But relative to other catchers, this guy will be probably the best offensive catcher in baseball. I don't care how many games he catches. Um, and, and, he and how much? That. And how And how many will he lose as a catcher? 
I, Dave, I don't know, but he came up as a catcher. He was drafted as a catcher. So right. he knows, he and they had to, to find catch. a place to play him because he wasn't good enough to catch every day. No, he was injured. He hurt. He, he got hurt. No, early no, in the no, season. no, no. Last year they had him in left field a year ago. I know. Before he because, ever got hurt. But he they got had hurt to last move him because too. he couldn't he got catch. Hurt last year too. He, he was taking a, a bunch of beatings behind the plate, just like Mezzarocco was. But my point is, if he only catches 50, 60, 70 games a year, that that offloads whoever's going to be your other catcher, Montero, or whoever they're going to keep or go after. They can get a Weeders. They could, they, he, but the point is, he can play the outfield. He can spell Rizzo at first. He can catch a little bit. And that's the brilliance of what Madden does. Chris I, I think you're I think you're giving this Cubs organization a lot more credit than I think – they deserve. You and I are looking at this Cubs organization. You're looking at it as a glass half full. I'm looking at it as a glass half empty. No, I think I'm they've got a lot the, of questions. I'm not looking at it half full. I'm looking at it three quarters or 80% full. <laughs> I am. I'm, this is the best team in baseball and they've got a young, they got a young core and they've got a, a core that can play many positions. You mentioned Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant played third base. He played left field. He played right field. He can play all those positions. Look at Zobrist. He played left field. He played second base. He played right field. He played third base. He spelled Bryant for several games. That's what you know, Madden that, does. You know, that's a good point, Mark. They may be they may be forced. Seriously, they may be forced to move Bryant to the outfield. Yeah, yeah, they could. They they might be. Well, they, they, it's not that they're forced. He can play the outfield. He, he's a good outfielder. He's a good left fielder. It's not just in every one of those guys that you mentioned. They can, and I wouldn't move Rizzo. There's no point to move Rizzo. No. But all those guys, and, and you forgot another guy, Solaire. I mean, he, he's still got holes in his swing, but this guy probably has as much talent as anybody on the roster. Yeah, I, th- I think Solaire is a, is a done deal in Chicago. I think he's gone. I don't. I, I think they're going to – I mean, he, if, they, if they do trade him, they're going to fill a lot of holes with, with what they can get for Solaire. Cause I think Mark, that they guy, didn't even want to play him in right field with Hayward hitting like he was. They went with a, They went with – the, the second choice in Coughlin. I understand right that field. there's a reason for that. They they wanted defense in, in the World Series, and I don't blame them. And Solaire is not a great defensive player, but he's got a power bat. And he reminds me of Cespedes in a lot of ways. You know, that oh, big, I think. Uh, well, you know, Cespedes boy. hit 243 what, uh, last year or the year before. He's, he's not a consistent hitter, and he, he can come up with great, you know, power surges. Uh, you, you think a lot more of Cespedes than I do. I, I just don't think he's a guy I'd want to rely on in my in my lineup. Mark, there's only been two managerial openings since the season uh, ended. I'm not I'm not counting the White Sox because they they ended up hiring somebody to take over their their job right away in Renteria uh, immediately after Ventura quit. But Arizona hired Tori Lavallo today. And Colorado hired Bud Black. First of all, are you shocked that there are not more managerial openings since the end of this year? Uh, I'm not shocked. Uh, you know, I think it, it, it's an ebb and flow thing. You know, most organizations are conservative. They don't make changes um, well, I can overnight. tell you right now there's one that I'm, I am totally blown away by. Which one? 
the Angels. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think you're. <laughs> um, I don't know why he's still there, uh, but with all the money that that team has invested, um, and, you know, the other guy that I that I think may have a short run is Dusty Baker with the Nationals. The, every year, you and I pick them to win. Every year. And they yeah. don't. And the Angels, the same thing. I mean, every year, we think with that roster, with I mean, they got two of the best offensive players in baseball history playing in that team, and they can't win. And you wonder why. Mike Sosha was given, really, as much money as he needed he was given great players, and he doesn't win, and he's still there. <laughs> if if Washington fires Dusty Baker, it will be because they're ripping that team apart. Yeah, well, and I'm the, not so sure they shouldn't. I, I don't know. I look at that roster, and my God, that is a team that 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 should be winning, um, and, and they can't get over the hump. And I really felt bad for Dusty. I, I thought they had a chance to win it this year, but. Uh, they just they don't they don't do it. No, they they really don't. And the Angels, the same way. I'm really surprised that Sandy Alomar Jr. did not get more interviews. He didn't get an interview, Mark, for any managerial position. I, I'm glad that he's staying with the Indians. Don't get me wrong, but I am really surprised, especially that he didn't get any play out in Arizona. That the Indians let Tori Lavallo go in order to keep Sandy Alomar. Tori Lavallo's been the bench coach for John Farrell the last two years. Uh, do I think that's a good hire for Arizona? Yes, but I thought Sandy Alomar would be a better hire. Uh, and I'm not going to go into what I told you earlier today I was going to go into. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that was a viable issue. But um, at any rate, these baseball managerial changes – are surprising to the fan because when you see a lack of success, you you look to the manager. But I, I'm of a belief that a of all the the, the coaches or managers in sports, uh, the baseball manager <clears throat> is less about uh, statistics or less less about X's and O's and strategy and those kind of things than it is being a psychologist and. Uh, managing 25 players over really 200 games, including spring training, and getting people to get along and, to, you know, to, to work with the team. It, baseball is so simple in terms of its strategies. There aren't many options for baseball managers, unlike a football coach. I mean, a football coach, you've got to be a genius to be a football coach. And I'm, I'm not being facetious. I mean, to, to understand the offenses and the defenses and, uh, drafting and all these things you have to go through with, with that many players, you've got to be brilliant. And baseball players don't have to be brilliant. It's, <laughs> the, the game in and of itself does not require brilliance. So you, you look at the success like a like a Joe Madden has. Uh, he's Joe Madden is just calm, cool, and collected. He is, and it rubs off on the players. And you, you, you look around baseball. There's some there's some baseball lifers out there, and they they bring, in my opinion, very little to the table. I think the general manager is far more important than the manager because he assembles the team. And you and I could, you know, look at the Cleveland Indians 
and we wouldn't get every call right. We wouldn't do exactly what a major league manager does, but we'd get most of them right. We get most of the. <clears throat> we could pick the lineup. We, we we know when to hit and run. Uh, we know when to steal a base, and we could look at the starting pitching. And we may not get the right order, but we probably get the same. Uh, if we looked at the Cubs rotation, we picked the same five starters that Joe Madden picked. Uh, so uh, the general manager, and and that's why the Reds fell down. They had a general manager who did not perform adequately, and that's why the team is where they are today. Uh, the Cubs are where they are today, not because of Joe Madden but because of their general manager in their front office. Mark, we've done this show for six years. We've always ended it the same way. What do you think the Reds have to do during this offseason to improve for next year? I think they need, uh, they need another bat off the bench. They need one more uh, linchpin, bullpen guy, and one more starter. Now, if they don't get those three things, I think they can still be a 500 team. It going into 2017, I think that there's enough regression now with the Pirates and the, um, not the Cubs, of course, but with the Cardinals. They can be beat. Um, so uh, Milwaukee can be beat, obviously. So the Reds have a chance to compete uh, in 2017. If they pick up two or three of those suggested moves I would make, I think they will compete. If they don't, I think they can still play 500 ball. Best case scenario, where do you think they can finish next year? Best case. Third. Third. The Indians, as far as I'm concerned, I think what they need to do is they need to find a big bat. That's the big thing that they need to do. Now, is that big bat Michael Brantley, or is it somebody else? I don't know. But How about they need Bautista? To find some... How about Bautista? I, you know what, Mark? Bautista is the type of guy that would fit in with the Indians better than he would fit in with the Cubs. You think I'm not saying that, I know, but he does. Here's the problem. Bautista is hung up on getting a five-year deal, and that is where people are going to say, thank you very much, have a nice day. Well, I think he's, he, he's more valuable in a five-year deal in the American League because he could DH probably when he's 40. Possibly. Yeah, you you might be right there. I think, um, you know, I would rather have Edwin Encarnacion than I would Bautista. Um, he he is a guy that I, I think is going to end up in Boston. Here's the question, Mark, before we leave. Is Joey Votto still with the Reds next year? Uh, yeah, I think it's a close call, but I think he will be. Uh, if they get blown off their feet, and I, you mentioned Boston, imagine what he would do at, at Fenway Park. But tell me what you told – tell everybody what you told me a couple of weeks ago that Toronto said. That they, they were interested, and, and they, were, they were going after it. They said that – they told the Reds – this is quoted from uh, Mark Shelton, uh, Sheldon uh, – that he – the Blue Jays called the Reds and said, before you make a deal, you come to us, and we'll make you a better deal. If you're going to trade Votto, talk to us last. That uh, That is about as ironclad as you can get that they're definitely interested yep. in Joey Votto. Yep. Mark, we have never gone this long into the year before. Last year was the longest we had gone with the show. We ended it up on October 12th. We're ending it up on November the 7th, and we've never had this opportunity. I know you want to tell people this also. I'm going to tell people, get out and vote tomorrow. Absolutely. 
<laughs> you know, baseball is so important to us during the season, but what we're enduring with this election season uh, indicates that, that we have to get out and vote and protect the interest. Of, and I hate to get on a political soapbox, but this is a scary election. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you, go out and vote and think before you do. Uh, don't don't be a sucker. That's right. Absolutely. Mark, we'll be back for a seventh year next year. I don't know the date exactly yet. It'll be the second week in March, but uh, we'll decide on what day and just keep an eye out on the the website as to when we're going to start it. But, Mark, again, for six years, this year has been as much of a pleasure as the first year was. Thanks a lot. And uh, I can't wait for spring training. <laughs> it's not that far away. No, so it's, really it's not. Much away. <laughs> it's not. Are you go- you planning on going out? Uh, I don't know. I might. Uh, yeah, there's, I'm, there's a I'm hoping. I will. Yeah. I'm hoping. Thanks, Mark. It's been great this past season. Have good holidays, David. Talk to you next you year. You too. You too. And everybody else, have a happy holidays. Want to let you know that we will be doing high school basketball this year again on Ultimate Sports Talk. Join us on November 25th as we start that up. And there'll be a lot of ball games coming up here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. But we'll be starting out November 25th. That's a Friday night. Tusla will be playing Waynedale in girls basketball. Be sure to join us then. A lot of people to thank this year. Most of all to our producer, Greg Mitchell. But most of all, our thanks to you for listening. It's been a great year. The Indians couldn't come away with it. Hopefully they will next year. For Mark Donahue... I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks for joining us again this year, our sixth year. And like I said, we will be back next year with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Until then, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a happy Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas, everybody. Good night. The Wiz Kids have won it. Bobby Thompson have done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke.